The TV finales of Boy Meets World and Jim Henson, plus Iron Man Returns and Oscar's biggest load of bro bait in history. This week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine each week, taking you back into the anniversaries of three entire decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Oh, you'll get it quite shortly. Uh, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, who is with me. Diana Goodman, and I firmly support Senator Gary Shandling. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah. Uh, and welcome, everyone. This is going to be an exciting week. A lot of important endings that occur this week and uh, some new beginnings, but like it is TV finale time uh-huh. and a lot of notable stuff to talk about there. I got to say right off the top, this show is executive produced by Daniel Evans and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time for the price of five bucks. They keep our entire podcast network going. All of our shows, including the Patreon exclusive sick of star Wars. We've got hours and hours of angry star Wars content for you there. And guess what? Coming up very soon. 302010's uh, game, monthly game edition, where we go deeper in depth into all the video games uh, with video, video Game Apocalypse hosts Mr. Dana Goodman, Michael Parez, and Matty Allen. So stay tuned for that. In addition to weekly bonus times, oh, they've been so much fun lately. I hope Sarah's watched Bad Trip on, uh, on my recommendation. But anyway, welcome to 302010, where we, we open up three little porter, portals in your chair to, to three decades ago, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. We'll be talking out about... The window of May 1st through the 7th. All the movies, TV, music, video games, and more that came out in that period of 1990, 2000, and 2010. And it is... I don't know why I'm so excited. Because it's its just a bunch of stuff that I really like and really like to talk about. It's coming out this week. Oh, I wish you guys knew me better, but I'm doing this for new listeners. Guys, where do you want to start? May 1st through oh, the 7th, mm-hmm. 1990. Um, um, we can start with the news. Diana has written down, Latvia declares independence from the USSR. And I've, Yay! That's the yay. last of the Baltic states, finally. Lithuania and Estonia did it first, and then Latvia goes like, yeah, we're not with you guys anyway. And the Soviets go, yeah, yeah, you are. And then don't do anything about it. So, yay, independence for Latvia. For now. Uh, Great job, guys. <laughs> yay. For now, we shall see uh, independence from the USSR. Oh, my goodness. I haven't heard that in forever, but I've been playing a lot of Street Fighter 2 lately, so it's nice to <laughs> nice to hear it somewhere other than a 20-year-old game. Movies of 1990, Pretty Woman is still number one at the box office because that's just the way things were. I don't know what to say about that. The ladies love the movie. Uh, I couldn't remember if you guys hated it or not, but we have a couple of new movies. Not ladies. (laughs) Including a a follow-up to one of those phenomenons I talked about last week, specifically with Space Invaders. If I (laughs) just... Mm -hmm. That's the worst tease in podcast history. But movies of 1990, (laughs) May 1st through the 7th. Jesus Christ. Is this really the title? Daddy's dying. Who's got the will? That's the fucking. There's an ellipsis in there. I tried to make this, the right pause. This sounds like a made-up movie from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> it's, it's. It sounds like it, a movie based on a song. It also sounds like you should do a double feature with Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, that is I a good double thought feature. That was a weird name. Right, that would be the next verse to the song Throw Mama from the yeah. Train. Uh, I I love it. It's so rare when the title of the movie is also the pitch for the movie. <laughs> Whoa, I, I do love a title that tells you exactly what you're getting into. Death at a That's Funeral, true. Finding Good Nemo, uh, Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will. 
sorry, Bo Bridges, Keith Carradine, Beverly D'Angelo, and a mock trial with Judge Reinhold. Here's a clip. It's going to be real nice, everybody together again. It's going to be living hell, and you know it. I know it. The turnover children have come home. I'd like you to meet my new fiance, Harmony Grabowski. Howdy. Howdy, hippie. Well, daddy's still alive, or what? Can you remember where you put your will? I think he hid it. Look everywhere, Orville. It could be anywhere. Oh, based on a popular play. My God, Judge say, Reinhold this sounds like a play. Judge Reinhold has never looked more like Jason Siegel. Uh, <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo has never been hotter. God damn. Uh, I've never heard of this movie. I'm guessing Diana loves it and has seen it a billion times. No, no, I I haven't. But I I do love family. A deep fried family hokum. I love anything with people with really thick southern accents getting worked up for stupid reasons. Whether it's a drama or it's a comedy, there is something about vast stereotypes screaming mm. at each other. And some sooner or later, someone has to go, How dare you? Yes. I love it. Featuring the overacting Caucasian ensemble. This, yep. the next movie I've seen a billion times and has never been released as much as on DVD in America, uh, let alone Blu-ray. It, mm. I think you can watch it all online. I have a very big soft spot for Dabney Coleman. He's one of my favorite character hey, actors man. in the universe. I like him. And this is one of his first starring roles alongside Max Headroom himself, Matt Frewer, uh, who you might recognize from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Russell Russell, and uh, Terry Garr in a movie called Short Time. It became more famous for us because it is, it is sampled in a lot of rap songs, notably Ice Cube's... Uh, shit like say hi to the bad guy or something but someone screams what kind of a cop killer are you uh it's, it was sampled <laughs> on a ton of rap albums uh but it has also has one of the greatest car chases in cinema history and you you have to look it up to see it and it's comedic but it is like crazy dangerous looking and the mm. whole movie is about dabney coleman finding out he has a terminal disease or something and needs to die on the job as a cop so he keeps mm-hmm. trying to get himself yes. murdered yeah, uh, I feel like just like you were saying with Space Invaders last week, it's like this is a solid concept. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised no one's gone back to this. The yeah, idea of real. someone who's, yeah, being a maniac cop because they want to get killed mm-hmm. for the insurance mm-hmm. money. Yeah, and it's also a cop not in da- Well, he endangers the life of a lot of people in that car chase. <laughs> Holy shit, is that it, it is both comedic and one of the greatest car chases ever filmed. Seriously, you should check that. I can't vouch for the rest of the movie because I didn't bother watching it for that, but I love that oh, car chase. Sam loves this movie. Oh, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> now, a, now that you explained the concept to me, I was, he's he's a fan. It was an HBO staple back in the day, and it's yes, odd that, that yeah. most, most people have been denied the ability to relive it, but here's a little bit of the trailer. After a mix-up at the hospital, Detective Bert Simpson thinks he's got two weeks to live. What's the difference if it happens, it happens. But if he can go in the line of duty, All right. his family will be set for life. But getting killed isn't as easy as it looks. Short time. You missed me again, you idiot! <laughs> so yeah solid comedy concept i'm so i don't know this should be like if john the john wick people ever want to make a comedy they should remake short time Ooh. A, a cop that's constantly trying to get himself killed and can't it is <laughs> it, it is great and, and it's and okay again tales from the chris signed up for this uh, uh movie poster at a video rental store and it hung in his room for years and has never seen the movie 
Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. <laughs> I, I've never seen this movie. I looked it up thinking that I had, and I get it confused with like the Creep odd. Show? Well, the yeah, the, also from George Romero, but mm-hmm. the, the odd oh. odd glut of anthology horror movies that came out around this time, and I think we're only living that renaissance again now. Uh, with a lot of made-for-video and streaming films. But I love this format, man. I think next year we're <laughs> definitely going to do a laser time on that for Halloween. But Tales from the Dark Side is, I think, based on a four-season show. Gets a movie yep. following the success of The Twilight Zone and Cat's Eye and Outer Limits and all that other stuff with appearances from Deb- Debbie Harry, Christian Slater, Steve Buscemi, uh, David Johansson, William Hickey, James Remar, and Radon Chong. One tale of terror. <laughs> Better him than me. One tale of fate. One tale of revenge. And one tale of evil. I'd love to hear the story. From Stephen King, Michael McDowell, and George Romero, the masters of horror. I warned them, but they wouldn't listen. Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, I forgot who William Hickey is. Now I'm pleased to remember again. Oh, Puppet Master. Yeah, that voice. Yeah. I love William Hickey. Oh, my God. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, we've we've got a good teaming of people. We got uh, George Romero and Michael McDowell, mm-hmm. who they tease in a lot of the ads. And I'm like, who the hell? Oh, he wrote Beetlejuice. Oh, oh. OK. Yeah, I feel bad. I don't know his name. Yeah, me too. Me uh, too. Plus, yeah, we've got uh, a Stephen King story and an Arthur Conan Doyle story, of all things. Just like oh. Creep Show. Mm, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, not that well received. But like, I this is the kind of movie I don't know how much I trust. Oh, people. Totally reviews yeah because I, it, this is basically the tv show a couple episodes of the tv show shoved together yeah you know with like a larger combined budget but still you should treat it as you're you're binging a tv show you're not watching a movie sort of but it's still like i as much as i love the camp of these old anthology shows i love the cinematic budget and flair that goes into these things because mm. They're they're three wildly different tastes, and I did not watch this recently, but like I do love these types of movies. We all sat down and watched Cat's Eye after a bonus time the other day, and it was (laughs) fucking wonderful. Uh, I I appreciate these endlessly. I signed up for Shudder just for the Creepshow TV show, and I I should say they have a great show called Cursed Films where they talked about films with horrible things that happen on the sets, and of course they covered Mm. Twilight Zone, and we just watched that too, and that is like endless amounts of fun. By the time you're tired of something, it's moved on to a completely different tone and story shift. Uh, I love these things. I can't say enough good things about them. A movie I've never seen. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the poster. It's really great. Uh, Orange and teal, but uh, in a good way. And moving on to television, because it is a busy week for finales here. Uh, Ooh, sure is. And we have our, our <laughs> semi-regular feature L.A. Law episodes that make us giggle. Uh, yes. Forgive me, Father, for I have sued. <laughs> mm-hmm. In this one, a parishioner sues her priest because he refused to give her absolution, which uh-huh. I was like, wow, this is so Allie McBeal. Mm-hmm. And then I totally forgot that David E. Kelly wrote for L.A. Right. Law. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So that's wild. On the fourth, I teased it up front. We debated over whether to do it or not because it's not the real event, but it's 11 days from one of the saddest things I've ever lived through. But it is the final television appearance of Jim Henson and the the final television appearance as of Kermit the Frog as voiced by Jim Henson. Hmm. And he makes his last appearance on the Arsenio Hall show. And one of the things I hate hearing... Um, 
is that Jim Henson was a Christian scientist. Like that dude was a fake hippie through and through. He drove a green Lamborghini. He never officially divorced his wife and banged a bunch of models all around Europe. Uh, he's, he had the hair and the beard, but homeboy, he's, he, he, he had strep throat. He had strep yeah. throat. And it's like, mm-hmm. I have to do this appearance because he's trying to get this Disney deal to go through where Disney mm. buys the Muppets and Disney is aggressively going after not just the Muppets, but Sesame street, which he's adamant they cannot have. He's also opening uh, the Muppets 3d attraction in Disney parks, which is thankfully still there. And uh, a, a Muppet TV special that is coming to Disney. It's like setting the table for the Disney's acquisition of the Muppets, which he wanted to do because he was fucking tired. He was not a young man anymore. And like overseeing this entire company and performing all the characters <laughs> was running him ragged. And it's just, he just thought he was sick. He just thought he was sick. And like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? This special airs this weekend. I have to go promote this thing and do the best I can. And it is morosely real lackluster to watch because Jim, Jim Henson is really good at improv, especially on Arsenio Hall. For some reason, that, that was a venue where he could like just bring puppets out and improvise in an interview format with Arsenio Hall. It was really neat. And he's doing it with Kermit here. And as the many people in the YouTube comments will note, uh, his, his strep throat, he just didn't go to the doctor. It wasn't because he believed he would magically heal himself. He's not the current president. Uh, <laughs> uh, he just he was busy. He was a busy man and had shit to do and didn't go to the doctor. And to this day, people still don't really know how he died of this thing. He didn't seem that bad until it was really bad, the bacterial yeah. infection. But this is the beginning of the sickness. It's the beginning of the end. 11 days from now, Jim Henson would die and of bacterial pneumonia. But he, he can see him clearing his throat, but he's using Kermit, so Kermit clears his throat, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's acknowledged. It's masterful. It's acknowledged on Arsenio, who is asking about fucking Kermit's marital problems with Piggy. Well, they're not married. They were only married in Muppets Take Manhattan, not outside mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, but asking about it, it, private details of him and Piggy's life. Uh, well, you know, I, I've been taught, I've been, I've, I've learned not to talk about her faults, you see. You mean in public? Yes, it's very painful. You know, <laughs> yes, you know she, she has, she has a right that'll, that'll lay you right, lay you right out, you know. It's, it's, it's just an old, old piece of mosquito caught in your throat there. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I would have said I had a frog in my throat, but I won't say that. <laughs> This is kind of macabre in hindsight, but Arsenio acknowledging Jim Henson's throat problem on what would be the last Jim Henson television appearance and the final television appearance of him as Kermit. Kermit would go on to be in a lot of other uh, pre-recorded projects uh, for the Muppets, so you can see him elsewhere. But it is just, to me, so profoundly sad uh, to see someone like Jim Henson go. Good, Good guy, despite what I said about his philandering and... Yeah, he, he there. I love that picture of him in a Kermit Green Lamborghini that was given to him as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the fifth, we have the two twenty seven finale, a show I'm not sure I ever even heard of, but it has Jack. Oh, yeah, Hayden. yeah, no, it went five seasons. So it was supposed to be a Marla Gibbs vehicle uh, from you know Marla Gibbs from the Jeffersons, oh. and Jack A just upstaged her at all every turn, and that and Jack A <laughs> became popular. But also uh, a little baby Regina King before she Yay. was big oh. Regina King. I love her so much. Yeah. yeah, I did not realize that it was it's basically set in like a apartment that a bunch of women live in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's they the apartment all building. 
Yeah, we they all get into wacky adventures. I had no idea until I they looked live in the it. shining apartment. <laughs> uh, sorry, is that the right room? I can't remember. No, you're ten off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I watched this a bunch. It was just one of those things that like it's on. I'll watch it, and mm-hmm. like it's everyone on it is just really solid, and the writing's quick enough. And yeah, it was just a, a pleasant little show. It was cute. Cool. And and yeah, Jack A is hilarious. Like I love her so much. And I believe it had a legit finale, unlike the other show, which I feel like we only briefly brought up. Just the Ten of Us has its finale mm-hmm. after three seasons of failed growing pain spinoff of a man <laughs> who has to live with, I'm assuming, ten people. If some of them are pets, that's cheating. Uh, but I do love when you read a description of a show that doesn't know it's being canceled. <laughs> and I was like, what happened in this episode? Graham and JR go to the store for groceries. They come back with a cow. When the girls learn that Graham had only bought it for slaughter, they resort to drastic measures by getting the cow pregnant. Like that's that's how just the ten of us <laughs> go out. You can't kill the cow. We got it pregnant. <laughs> what? I know. That's, how? how? I know. I know. I know. I know. But but they clearly didn't know they were going, and mm. and, and and didn't say goodbye to the world the way de- just the ten of us should have. And file this under. Yeah. Uh, Actually, you uh, know what? Did do we even mention in just the ten of us the. The, well, the the idea is is you know it's this coach's wife and there yes. there many kids, but the oldest has had their lagging camp mm. from uh, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street and oh. and De- Dennis Haysbert was on it too. Oh, oh neat! Cool. Uh, yeah. Belding, all right. Uh, and and file this under the many things. Not many. I just I know there's a few of them. A lot of uh, um, animated comic strip character shows, but uh, Archie to Riverdale and back again. A movie I like. Holy shit! I have to see this fucking thing. And why? Well, I was at this point, I was like a no fucking around fan of Archie. I just, yeah, I just loves was Archie. I loved Archie. And Me too. I loved Archie. And it's, it, and I, I like, I say it grossly, but I came of age to Archie and their shapely women. Like I, it took me through puberty with all their romantic PG situations, but it's also further evidence that like Archie is still independently owned. And if mm-hmm. you can track down that article of like the son and the, and the daughter who inherited Archie from the co-creators, they can't be in the same room with one another, and they don't give a fuck what happens to these characters. Archie <laughs> will fight the Predator and the Punisher. If you haven't seen... <laughs> this has all happened, for real. Like oh, they, They've all yeah. been murdered in comics. Uh, Mar- Archie's been assassinated as the president. Uh, <laughs> like They don't care. Riverdale alone should be... I was going to say, they not don't... even to mention Riverdale, which... Is one of those shows that I will eventually watch, so I don't want to read anything that's going on in it. But every now and then I get a glimpse, and it just sounds like I, the craziest I, I, show I, I watched on the, television the right now. The first three episodes, I'm like, this is gorgeous, so well yeah. done, needlessly uh, uh, adult for these characters, and and that's what I saw in the promos for this because it wasn't just Archie. Like I'm not quite pubescent yet, but like I'm learning my sexuality through Archie. <laughs> like, oh, I hope I have two girls God. to choose from someday. But but like what this was is an adaptation that was, that had the characters grown up for people who grew up with Archie, not me yeah. who's just getting oh. into Archie. Mm-hmm. So the commercial I remember had like people taking their clothes off and like really getting it on. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> this is, I didn't know I wanted this so bad and I wanted to see it. So I believe the only person I know of of the cast is Lauren Holly as, as Betty, who is a gorgeous lady. Um, and if you remember dumb and dumber at all, mm-hmm. and it's, it's and this promo is one of the, the silliest things I've ever seen in my life. I thought we brought it up in like rap commercials 
because they they do rap here. And what you have to remember, the thing they're rapping, that is a song by the cartoon Archies. <laughs> I think some of us forget that. Uh, it's more famous now as a Simpsons meme, but the promo here will tell you a little more. Archie to Riverdale and back again. America's classic comic book. Archie. Comes to life. Ah! See how the characters you grew up with have grown up too. And boy, have they changed. Waka waka. It's Jughead. Ah, honey, honey. Veronica. Hello, Archie. Betty. Archie. And Archie. Ah! In their class reunion. To Riverdale. And back again Sunday. All of that makes me horny and cringy at the same time. I can't. Oh, the best kind of turned on. I can't understand (laughs) it. It's like that. Like white people's only frame of reference for rap was the Fat Boys. So there's always Mm -hmm. someone in there going. (laughs) 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 Whenever someone tries to rap, but that is uh, "Sugar Sugar" as rapped Mm -hmm. by the Archie to Riverdale and back again. This is a backdoor pilot that completely failed. Critics Mm. pretty much savage this. As you can sort of assume they would for something like this. Uh, not necessarily the most organic or, I don't know, classy take on these characters. Having them mm. all grown up. When you look at the guy who plays Jughead and you're like, why? Like, <laughs> Jughead's supposed to be interesting. This guy does not look interesting. But I was I was waiting for stuff like this. If you In the monoculture, I wanted to see an, uh, a live-action adaptation of Archie so bad. And I was denied. And, oh, and I, I missed this, and it never aired again, and without a VHS or a tape trading circuit or the internet, I was never allowed to. I still haven't seen this. It's all on YouTube, though. I can watch it whenever I feel like it. Why it, would you want to? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I still read Archie comics. I do. <laughs> I very I, much do. I don't. I don't understand. Dude, there's still good Archie comics out there. Afterlife I, with Archie, Archie is fun. is literally one of those things I file away under question mark white people. Yeah. I, Just, I I don't understand this. Am I not white enough to understand the, this? The the existence of Riverdale and Sabrina shows that like again it's I, it's not because the, care, the the creators care, it's because they don't give a shit. They will uh, <laughs> literally allow any attempt to adapt these characters and that's why you get really cool shit like Sabrina and Riverdale. Yeah, Sabrina's so good. And and uh they they remember they brought on um shit like uh the 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 saga people, Brian K. Vaughn, one mm-hmm. of the greatest indie comics to re- write a new Archie comic. And uh, Chip Zdarsky was writing Jughead. So, like, they take they take weird chances with Archie in, con- in every medium. And it's always mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Even the old stuff to me. I remember uh, my buddy Henry had pointed out a while back that um, if you were a kid who loved games back in the day, everybody's... I'm playing the Nintendo and he's like holding a nine foot joystick and wiggling it back and forth. Like there's no fucking joystick for the Nintendo. You idiots. Uh, Archie has a game collection and it is astonishing how authentic their game controllers are. <laughs> Wherever oh, they are, okay. they're 100% authentic and there's a game collection I bought and I still it, it dig into and it delights me to no end. Uh, but Archie back to Riverdale. There are no games in this segment. Uh, but again, we have an entire show about games for you uh, coming very soon about the games of April anniversary. You should really check that out. Patreon.com slash laser time. And Diane, it's time to shine. I love when she brings us up. 1990, Hi, yeah. the music, it is that time once again for the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, yeah. Oof. This is back uh, watching clips from 1990. And it's like now Eurovision Song Contest has like major production values. Like mm-hmm. it, they do all kinds of cool lighting and effects and dancers. And, and this is just some a couple guys standing on a pretty boring stage it's but it's, it's all sub the, king of wishful thinking <laughs> <laughs> yes took me a second yeah mm. uh but the winner this time is uh italy's toto 
Cutugno. Yeah, yep. with yep. uh in CMA nineteen ninety-two. It Filthy. is a song about wishing for European togetherness ahead of the Maastricht Treaty to form <laughs> the EU. Oh wow. Oh wow, okay. And there is a clip so you can take in ah, take take it all in, man. All the Euroness of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a conductor for this, by the way. Oh, and uh, he is into it. There's so. Oh, yeah. You want to slow dance to the song about European togetherness, my friend. I, I see what you're saying about the presentation. Even SNL doesn't pre- present live performances this straightforward anymore. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. But uh, in terms of music, we do have some new releases, include, uh, including When the Storm Comes Down from Plotsam and Jetsam, The Winding Sheet from the Screaming Trees, uh, Trees is uh, Mark Lanagan, sure, and uh, Charm Life by Billy Idol, Nothing Compares to mm. You by Sinead O'Connor mm-hmm. is still number one. And we're going to close out this segment with Cradle of Love by Billy Idol. Oh, how many times have I seen this video? How many times? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know it. Oh, you do. You sure? You do. I it's, feel like uh, I don't. Oh, Rock the Girl. Cradle of Love? Yes, girl yes. shows up at some guy's apartment, says, hey, I'm going to wait for my friend. Can I play this tape? And then starts sexy dancing around and trashing the place. Huh. <laughs> Everyone remembers that song. Come on. Well, everybody, all the children of the 80s do. I, I didn't get into MTV until oh, like one or two years later, thanks to Beavis and Butthead. I'm sure, hopefully, I'll be alive to talk about it. Uh, so we move forward with 302010. Oh, you know what? I was just thinking, looking up the video and thinking, you know, it has kind of a distinctive look to it. There's a certain smokiness to the atmosphere. Look it up. Yep, directed by David Fincher. Thanks, David. That, that ah. shit is crazy. He's like one of the last like mega working dudes who did so much for music videos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, you, Spike Jones, but I was disappointed by the reviews of the Beastie Boys documentary. Uh, yeah, yeah, I really want to see it, but oh my god, am I not subscribing to Apple Plus for you? <laughs> Uh, Anyway, we'll close out with Cradle Love. People, stay right there because a lot of stuff closes, a lot of stuff comes out in 2000. Stay right there. Coming into 2000 with your No Rock and Roll Fund by Slater Kenny off of All Hands on the Bad One. Hey, now huh. I know what Carrie Brownstein was famous for before Portlandia. And she looks the oh, same. Yeah. I know. I know. How is She's she doing? amazing. I, I know how she does it. She pins her bangs to the side and will forever <laughs> look like she's a child. Uh, I, I'd say that as a huge Carrie Brownstein fan, that Portlandia show was fucking wonderful <laughs> it's it's it was beautiful i, I loved it so cannot much. wait to talk about it in like two years because it's yes com- believe it or not it's coming up people yeah 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 young it kids is. your nostalgia is coming up too uh 2000 yes. everyone we are in the year 2000 may 1st to the 7th that's bringing it slater kenny's bringing us into the new music of the week 
And 2,000 Years of Millennium Concert by Billy Joel will also do that, sadly. Uh, <laughs> Bachelor Number 2, or The Remains of the Dodo by Amy Mann. Goodfellas that by the five, is, four. Mm. That is such a good album, by the oh, way. Oh, is it? The Amy Mann one. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was so having trouble good. picking, like, should I pick one? Because remember, we're just outside of her doing the music for Magnolia. Magnolia. So it's like, right. she's in the zone. Yeah. Which, by the way, I just this... saw used beautifully in an episode of Community with him and, yeah. <laughs> and Pierce and Jeff do the fucking Spanish presentation. Yes. F, <laughs> F minus. Yeah. And, so and, good. And, and, and yeah, don't... but Save Me is on this album. Oh. And as is one of my other favorite songs called Nothing Is Good Enough. It's it, so good. I love Amy Mann so incredibly much. So, I would yeah. I would never listen to Amy's man, Amy Mann's music, but if I hear she's on a podcast, I'm like, instant mm-hmm. listen. She's fucking hilarious. And I've seen her live twice. I, especially with Ted Leo. Is that yes. what they call both? I love it. Uh, no, like that was one of the funniest fucking shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Where They're she, so fun together. She, ref, she refused sweet. to do any covers of her song and made Ted Leo do uh, Voices Carry as she watched. <laughs> uh, it, Love it, it. It's, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. She is hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, Goodfellas by the, the 504 boys. I hope that's their area code, not their weight. Uh, pay attention <laughs> by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. White Pepper by Ween. And uh, my music at work by the tragically hip. Yeah, listen up, Canadians. We got stuff for you. Maria Maria by Santana is still number one. It never ends. This is. Oh, God. I don't know if Diana put these in here on purpose. The news for 2000 uh, early May is hysterical because you have the news of a major virus and the launch of LimeWire within two days of one another. And that yeah. is the current meme of LimeWire. I, I did not use LimeWire because of how shitty and untrustworthy it was. But mm-hmm. LimeWire yeah, launched once, once Napster got all embroiled with all kinds of stuff, people moved to LimeWire. Mm-hmm. That's what I That's used. What it meant. That's what it was there for. And it was like even worse than Napster. And Napster I was, was too late for Napster, actually. That was a like I missed it by like a year probably. I, I financed a PC because it seemed to say the idea of buying a $1,500 computer would save me money on music over the course of the next two years. That's why I bought it, to steal music on Napster. Yeah. And, and, and LimeWire launched, I believe, with a, a video option, which was still in its infancy, because I remember at this point, like I was still at MB's house because he was the only one with DSL in town, and there was a one-year waiting list. And, wow. But, but LimeWire launches, and I really do love the, cur- the modern memes of it. I didn't use it because it was like – it was spam – city it launched with its own mm-hmm. spam for the first four years mm-hmm. and seriously that took over your computer and shared your data like before that was a hip <laughs> thing to do limewire was doing it <laughs> even if you paid them they, that shit was in there it was ridiculous and i i ended up using other things but like i think limewire because I, I used a lot because i like and morpheus too. and emule i used it all oh, baby yeah man and and none of it has lasted as long as BitTorrent uh, as we as where we sit now. But like uh, LimeWire was huge. I guess you got to give it credit for not just music but video. And if you don't know video formats, uh, Napster was always like, "That's an MP3. I can listen to that in my Winamp." Mm-hmm. LimeWire, you'd get stuff and like, "Ooh, what is this? Uh, oh, Mission Impossible Two .exe. Let me click on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> computer is ruined." Uh, <laughs> LimeWire was notorious for getting you horrible, horrible shit. Uh, and then on the f- like two days later, the I Love You virus infects more than 10 million computers, o- overriding and hiding files and costing $8 billion in digital damage. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Wow. And it's so much of it is based on again clicking on something mm-hmm. that you shouldn't click on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's an attachment. It's a love letter. Wait, no, it's something else. I don't. What does dot VBS? I don't know what dot VBS <laughs> is. And people would click on it. It come in as an attachment <laughs> to an email. You click on it, and it just spreads fucking everywhere. Right. Ugh. To this day, I have my file extensions on my computer because yeah, yes. I occasionally take stuff and. Dude, I gotta know. Is this is this a fucking AVI? Is this an MP3? If it's anything but those, I'm going to glance at it more than once. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't open yep. with VLC, then I don't open it. Yeah, I'm yep. still there. You know, the, uh, looking into I Love You ended up being kind of fun in that it was really just like two young Filipino dudes that were that that ended up being responsible for it. And it turns out the Philippines had zero laws about software coding, computer crimes. They had nothing to to go after them for it. They had to like make up some laws. Wow. And then charge them. And the laws were based on like credit card fraud. I mean, I think hmm. we, they, we've they all just, lived through a this little. hadn't happened. They didn't know what to do. A little bit of this. Even when you like called, hey, people are taking my bank account and threatening me every day on Twitch. And like, well, that's not a crime, according to our police department. <laughs> what do you expect <laughs> us to do? That was only a few years ago. Man, I can't wait till we get to all of that fun stuff. Uh, and see, I'm sorry, I was biding time for the next bit of news. Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton, Maui! They're married! Those Maui. two crazy kids. It will be a love that lasts forever. Or three years. Three yes. years? Hollywood time, that's pretty that's okay. That's still pretty good. It's all, it was also pretty gross. <laughs> Just cause... It was gross. It was gross and weird. He's been accused of violence against women and oh really uh during well i think one of his previous wives um mm. which is like okay you can take that with a grain of salt or whatever did you forget uh, his name was billy bob what the fuck are we yeah. doing here i can never forget <laughs> plus like there was a real they were constantly making out like super hard in public and then like he broke up with her like right when they were adopting a kid too oh nice and oh really he broke up with laura dern somewhere in there did he break i don't know remember if he broke up with laura dern for her or he left her for laura dern. whatever it is wow stay away from billy bob is the lesson i i think billy or bob's stay intent- with him he turns you the traumatic experience turns you into a way cooler person because I, yeah if oh, I had oh. to pick who's the winner angelina jolie is fucking cool and laura dern is fucking cool oh, billy bob yeah, yeah so. right uh, he was good in Fargo. The TV show. No, Billy Bob oh, Thornton has an intensity that I think probably attracts women and probably something women should uh, be afraid yes, of. That is, I can confirm. Also, mm. one of my favorite things that I know about Billy Bob Thornton is that he has a fear of antiques. <laughs> really? <laughs> Me too. Yes. And, until I read ev- it in a magazine. <laughs> until everything I love becomes an antique. Uh, oh, man. Mm. They, yes, but they were divorced in 2003. Not after... Uh, uh, what was it? The MTV Movie Music Awards, where they like get in the car and they're like making out with one another. He's like, we just oh, fucked yeah. in the car. I'm like, she's 20 years younger than you. <laughs> I, yeah, see, I did not mind any of that. I was just like, wow, this is cool. Like, look at them; they're different from all these other like celebrities that are just like staring straight into the camera with their soulless eyes. Yeah, because Tom little Cruise poodle, Nicole Kidman. Little, little poodle squirt Sarah thought she could go out to Hollywood and fuck her favorite movie star. Oh, so so aspirational. <laughs> yeah, I think you, it was secretly uh, deep down inside. I was a goth kid. No, no, you wanted to go out there and bang Dan Cook right then and there. Uh, <laughs> Dan Cook, where did you come into this? <laughs> 
<laughs> that man has not enough sleeves for uh, my for my taste. <laughs> um, uh, welcome to 2000, everyone. If that wasn't clear, it is the year 2000. Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton are still married. Movies of 2000, uh, May 1st through the 7th. Uh, Beau Travail? Is that a thing? Beau Travail, yeah. yeah. Beau Travail. Uh, that is a French film actually from 1999, directed by Claire Denis. Um, it's kind of an adaptation of Billy Budd set in the French Foreign Legion in North Africa, which North Africa is going to come up uh, like in every other movie we're about to talk about. Wow. Uh, but I throw it out there. It made a lot of best of the year list and honest i haven't seen it in 20 years but i remember it being really good oh. so, and, and speaking of, Af- of africa the next movie was is, is this kim basinger's starring turn like immediately post oscar for la confidential yeah but it's been a couple of years yeah okay. she LA confidential oscar, she lays low and then yeah that was 97 yeah i think so she has she has the opposite of intensity to me. Like she has some sort of like frailness that I really like about her. Um, hmm. is, is that not? Am I, I don't mean to insult her. I'm just like she has she does she conveys brokenness and fear. I don't know. Like there's something about her that seems frail in movies. So like it always huh. I thought it odd for her to be a leading woman. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I remember this is her big the Oscar winner's debut as a star in I Dreamed of Africa with Mary Craig, Eva Marie Saint, and Daniel Craig who a lot of the world isn't familiar with yet. Nope. I'd go to Africa and live with him. I Dreamed of Africa has captivated the critics. They're calling it the most beautiful and moving film of this year. We think we run this place, but we don't. It runs us. Academy Award winner Kim Basinger delivers an extraordinary performance. Tell me what to do! Bold and fearless. It's visually breathtaking and majestic. I've never felt so alive in my life. I Dreamed of Africa, rated PG-13. This is like the last movie to focus Uh. on Africa and only animals. (laughs) Once you start focusing on the people in the cities that are there, the movies get very different. Mm. Yeah. 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 I I, I never saw it just because I was like, I've always been like, white people in Africa, like, going to find themselves. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of that. Is it's based on a memoir? Uh, mm-hmm. They found the only critics that liked it because it's got ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! But yeah, it looks pretty, and she's pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks hammy as fuck. Like it is kind of hammy. It's it, it looks like a movie from twenty years ago. And we just started getting commercial flights to Africa, and like, no, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> Everyone there has cable now and are embarrassed by this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this movie, I really feel like they they knew it wasn't going to do well because they put it up against someone they knew was going to just steamroll everything uh, in its way. Did, did yes. you think that was going to happen? We got to talk about one of the biggest movies of the year, yo. I did not think that this movie was going to do that because Ridley Scott hadn't delivered on anything in a very long time. Or so it felt True. to me. And and, and, yeah. and Russell Crowe was not yet a bona fide movie star, but then here we have number one at the box office, Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, the final performance of Oliver Reed. Oh, uh, yes. He died during filming. We'll talk about that in a sec. Derek Jacoby. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting how to say this guy's name. You say it. Jaimon Hansu. There it is. Who? Who? Uh, Richard Harris. <laughs> He's the who guy from Guardians. Gladiator. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. Win the crowd, and you'll win your freedom. At my signal, unleash hell. 
not entertained. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I yeah. try. I tried. I'm, I'm looking back now. Ridley Scott was in movie jail for so long. Mm. <laughs> Except for Thelma and Louise, he'd pretty much been in movie jail since Blade Runner. Really? In 82. So this is the thing that got him out of movie jail to this day. One thousand percent. His previous movie was G.I. Jane. We talk about freaking oh. G.I. Jane. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he gets out of movie jail. No one, I don't think anyone's expecting him to get out of movie jail and not with like a sword and sandal epic. That's not his jam. And as your That's husband. the alien guy. As, as your husband coined, fuck Ridley Scott just for sounding like his name should be scattered. <laughs> Ridley, 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 Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Yeah. So, so we haven't had a sword and sandal epic really to talk about for a, for a while. while. Or any of these not, not grand in the 2000s. historical epics. Mm-hmm. I mean. When we talked about this... Clash of the Titans, that is the residue. Of Gladiator. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I don't know what it is. A bunch of my friends who didn't care about movies and 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 don't like, I don't know, I don't want to say art, fucking <laughs> love. Like, I just go over to the house like, you have Troy? Why? Yeah. Why, why do you have Troy? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, man. Troy seemed, was like, everywhere. So weird. Like, like, I don't, like, I just don't get it. And and part of that is because of, of Gladiator, it had this bro sentimentality of like a Somebody, I, when I was reading the critics, someone described it as a revenge film, and I never saw it like that before. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a yeah, revenge is. film. And on that sense, it, I like it a little better, but I have never liked this movie. I saw it in the theater twice, yeah. and I've watched oh, it a wow. billion times with my friends who try and get me like, dude, you just got to watch the extended version. And I accidentally downloaded ah. that one. I got fucking Ooh. pissed again. But I, I've always thought it looked drab. The characters were dumb. And the, the only takeaway is Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. Uh, he's really fun. In the film. Yeah, Joaquin sp- Phoenix is, he's aiming for the stands, man. He's hes going for it in a mm-hmm. kind of goofiness that I just know. Uh, yeah, so, so I rewatched this again, mm-hmm. and I understand why people like it, because it's an epic. And I do love my old school right. epics, where Romans all have British accents, <laughs> and there's going to be a big spectacle, and you know there's going to be a bunch of characters, and maybe some pol- politicking and some backstabbing, and a very simple message, and big fights and big actiony things to watch. Sandals check, and loincloths. Check, cloth. check, check. All of that, check. But yeah, there's a lot of the characters are paper thin. He, a lot of decisions are made by characters that don't make a ton of sense. And I forgot how long it takes before we get to gladiating. I, yes. I could not. It's get... actually quite a lot of time we spend in Germania with poor dying Richard Harris talking about how I want to give the I want to give the Rome back to the people. It's like, no, you didn't. I, I, I could. The hist- I, I, I could just I could go off about the history. I could. I, I could. I could. Just I could watching not... it. It's like. The, the Romans all break formation while they're fighting the, the Germans. And I'm like, ah, God damn it. I know it looks better that way, but <laughs> ah, the history nerd in me, just you're twisting the knife. I could not get anyway. through this on, on like trying to watch it on behalf of this show yeah. at a computer next to another window of research. Um, Honestly, I did not even try. I, I, I mean, I saw it when <laughs> it came out and I was just, I, I was, and all week long I've been saying, we got to watch Gladiator. We got to watch Gladiator. We got to do it. And then finally, last night, I was like, you know what? No, I don't have to watch <laughs> Gladiator, actually. I saw it. I remember it. And now, to me, it just stays in my mind as the favorite movie of all the corniest guys in high school. Right. And that, that, mm-hmm. was, my, that was my part of it that I was yelling at friends of ours back in the day, Sarah, of like, no, you only like this movie because like 
it allows you to feel in the it's like the first dude movie that allows you to feel but your yeah. your feelings are, are exhibited in gladiatorial combat yes and like, and it's there the feelings are so like primary they're just like primary yes. colors like red blue yellow yeah but now i'm mad mm-hmm. But no, but, it, but in 2000, I, to Ridley Scott's credit, I don't think a movie would have been as elegant towards getting the character there in terms of the slaughter of his wife and child and all that shit. Like, they had to take everything away from him before he became a, a hero and a fighter. And, right. and I, I think that speaks to, like, I'm not, I, I am I am a dude, but I just never, ever got this movie. And I, I, I've, I've seen it so many times and I could not sit through it i think the effects look way worse than they ever have <laughs> oh some of those effects some of those effects even at the time i thought a lot anything with like a vista or a big background like oh look rome is in the background looked like i was playing mist yeah, oh, actually look bad did you watch this on a tv watching it, diana watching this again on a tv yeah watch it on a digital tv this time and there's somewhere it's like okay that's pretty good there's a couple in there that hold up, you know, a lot with some of the fighting and stuff. It's like, okay, that held up. A lot of them, dude. I, I was, I, I, I was I, bummed that this time I finally spotted one of the insert cuts of Oliver Reed after he so was dead. That's what I was going to say. The thing I thought that held, was held up is that, like, it, it is one of the more elegant handlings of a, an actor dying in the middle of a movie. It was, I don't remember the shot you're talking about, but, like, they, like, show him behind shadows and bars and, like... Mm-hmm nice like like okay so this guy can still have his final role seen through by the use of cgi not unlike brandon lee and the crow which again mm. I, I don't see the strings on i, I thought they did a really good job mm. with that too but or uh, mott soprano let's not forget that's no. one of the worst examples of doing this <laughs> it's so bad but 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 the oliver reed stuff like i thought it was almost like classy like shit dude. yeah you, you sent this dude out pretty okay Mm-hmm. In terms of yep, the effects, so so the reason why, well, that tiger looks a million miles away from me. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I want to love this movie. I want to give it its due because I know a ton of our listeners are, oh, male listeners mm-hmm. are loving this. But like, this is such a fucking. This is what Field of Dreams was twenty years later. It is yes. so silly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, and that is fine. This is just not for me. Like yeah. Field of Dreams didn't do it for me. Mm. Sorry to disappoint everyone, but Shawshank Redemption does All right. nothing hey, for me. Hey. Whoa. Oh, so, wow. yeah, this is like, this that all goes in the same hat. It's fine. It's just not for me. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. It's just, I, that's, I haven't even thought about the sentimentality of it, of, yeah. that it's bro, bro sentimentality. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's and, ridiculous. I mean, kind of my, my feeling is like, like, I think it's really well made. Many of my problems are kind of script problems, not really performance problems. You mm. know, like I said, some of the characters being so, so incredibly one dimensional. Um, I think Russell Crowe goes for it. You know, I think he ends up actually doing a very good job. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I keep going back and forth of whether or not I think he's over the top or just the right amount of over the top. But as a spoiled yeah. emperor, but you need that. Still- that's Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, though. That's just true, I think, for many of his roles. I'm always thinking, is this good or is this like a little too much? You know, like it's hard with him. Yeah. But considering like the kind of goofiness that I see in the script, it ends up being better than it should have been. Mm. That's kind of how I, I, my bottom line is sort of like, it's, I find it watchable and enjoyable. I have plenty of quibbles and issues and whatever, but it's better than it should have been. (laughs) 
I do like it should have been terrible. Yeah. Sometimes that movie magic just happens and you can't really quantify it or like put, you know, point to any specific thing. It's just like alchemy. Yeah. It came, it comes together in just the right way that so many of these other movies that we see afterwards just don't, just don't. Yeah. Troy or Kingdom of Heaven. Up until the Martian unaggrossed, up until the Martian unadjusted, this is the highest grossing Ridley Scott and. Russell Crowe movie that has ever existed. And mm. like, I do like that story of like Russell Crowe has paid uh, the Scots back ever since he does <laughs> almost anything they want him to do. Yeah. Because we are going to talk about a bad pairing of them. I think in a couple weeks Ooh. and we'll see how the alchemy fails terribly. I think anything of an American gangster counts as a bad pairing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. But another swipe at a historical epic that it's like seen it, been there, done that. Oh no, yuck! I can see what it is. Oh, I fucking don't want to. Oh, I hate it so much. She was supposed to be the yeah. sheriff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We're gonna see this fail, oh, fail it. horribly. I hate it so yeah. much. Speaking about making Gladiator look good by comparison, but but Gladiator uh, like won a. It was nominated for I think a Titanic amount of awards that that year. It was yes. a, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. at the Oscars and it didn't win like many of them, but taking best picture was, yep. was a huge coup. And I think sent the wrong message to not the, in, in, with 10 years of hindsight, the wrong years of message, the wrong message to Hollywood. Cause we got a bunch of sandal and loincloth horse shit, uh, mm. like just loosely based historical epics and any of them that aren't as silly as 300. I wish they didn't exist. I hate them. I hate them so much. <laughs> I hate these movies. I just I feel like it's a lost art form. Mm-hmm. It's just we we're just not good at making them anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Is the reliance on on digital effects or what? I mean, really, I thought Rome was pretty good. And when was that? That was like two thousand. Yeah, so did, so did HBO, HBO and the BBC. Oh, yeah, and they canceled. They they renewed it in in like within a week and then canceled it again. I know. It was like this can't sustain. Yep. I don't know. Like I like. I don't like these types of movies normally. I really don't. And this is mm-hmm. one of the best of its type. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah. And, yeah. But, well, it's got a little something for everything. Yeah. It's got something for everybody. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of action. There's some politicking. There's some romance. Intrigue. More action. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a four-quadrant movie. Good job, guys. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's entertaining. I can't say it's, like, great or good. I guess it's good. I don't it's, I don't fine i'm on it's none of it like, fine i've seen uh, many better ridley scott and russell crowe performances i i don't i don't totally get it but i don't want to shit on it either because like it didn't it didn't connect with me from the moment it debuted in theaters and has never done so ever, like forever after and i've tried yeah hmm. and and I, i've given it its due but i i don't want to shit on it either because like it's okay if i don't understand this why not that's what i'm saying yeah. it's just not for me why not have, like uh, the next segment is filled with things that don't do anything for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we want to move on to television, are we ready to do that? Uh, sure. uh, by, by the way, uh, a gladiator w- would win most notably best picture at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, this will be the best picture of 2001, meaning the yeah. best movie which, of 2000. Which is weird. Cause for some reason I thought this was the highest grossing movie of the year. And I went and actually did research on like how many times do those things line up where the highest grossing movie of the year also wins the best picture Oscar. And it turns out like 12 or 13 and then wow. it turns out, Oh, but this is yeah. 12 or 13 out of 90. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's kind yeah. of odd. Diana accidentally built a laser Sound time. Uh-huh. 
damn it. But <laughs> it turns out this isn't the highest grossing movie of the year. It is third behind two far inferior movies. Mm. Really? So I end up liking Gladiator more suddenly because we're going to have to compare it to Mission Impossible 2 and The Grinch. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, Fucking live action Ooh. Grinch. Fucking move. God damn it. Oh, goodness. And the worst, <laughs> the worst mishpas. And the worst. That movie is so much fun. When we watched it. I love it. It was. I mean. It is like it is. I think we love 80s movies because they wear their decades on their sleeves. Mm -hmm. And Mission Impossible 2 is one of the only like movie in the last 20 years that like, dude, this movie really is aware of what's happening right now. I 100% agree. We can talk about more when we get to it because. Holy shit. Talk about. Yeah. That's right in my wheelhouse. I think we all it's know that. It's dated in so. the right ways. Uh, <laughs> like at the time, it infuriated me. Now it's just like, oh, I remember when I hated Limp Bizkit. That's, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, but in, in terms of uh, fun alleys, uh, things making the populace cry on the third of t- television. We move into television of the first to the seventh through of May 2000. Uh, Party of Five has its finale, a show I have never seen a single frame of. <laughs> so yeah, this this is the start of three giant shows ending that were kind of like emblematic of the '90s, really. And then so. you know, takes a they take a bow in the year 2000. Party of Five, I watched a lot of it in syndication mm-hmm. when I was in high school. It would always be on, like right as I got home from school, and then I would just like watch that before I or while I was doing my homework or whatever. And yeah, I mean, it's just a primetime soap. And it was supposed to replace 90210, six seasons about a family of teenagers who have to learn to survive after their parents are killed in a car accident. Right. And and, and it's just weird that by the time the show ends, like, two of you are 30. Yeah. (laughs) Move on. (laughs) Move on. When I was reading how, like, how old the kids are supposed to be when they, when it started, Mm. it's like Nev Campbell was supposed to be like 15. Hmm. I mean, granted, that was in 94 when it started, but I just can't picture it. But anyways, yeah, it's really good. It also got a reboot this year, um, right. Freeform. Only lasted one season, but it was actually canceled this month, like in April 2020. Yeah. yeah. And, and hmm. a show I've never seen, another show I've never seen a fucking frame of, Chicago Hope, which I've heard is like, at times, it is a very blatant ER ripoff. But to try well, and defeat ER, it no. sounds more interesting sometimes on paper. They premiered at the same time. Did they really? I'm yep. pretty sure. No. Yeah. yeah. So this is a this is a impacto profundo moment. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. So a and reference this is to another... Deep Impact in Armageddon, people. Listen of course, up. of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a David E. Kelly again. That man can't stop making television. It's crazy. He's nope. like, he refuses. He's in everything. Um, again, six seasons and I was, we were an ER family, so I haven't seen any of Chicago hope, but I do love those medical procedurals. So I, maybe I mean, something that I would want to watch. Also, I love Mandy Patakin so much. <laughs> also, I, I would say Chicago hope is sort of the smarterer show oh. compared to ER and the ER is a little more of a melodrama and mm-hmm. a soap opera, or at least it, it sure shit turns into one. But uh, Chicago Hope was, I don't know, somehow like the smarter, classier of the two. And it doesn't hurt that it's has a cast that is just wall-to-wall awesome right. people. Yeah. Like exactly. Adam Arkin, Adam Arkin yeah, Hector Elizondo, Manny Patinkin, Peter Bird, Vondi Curtis-Hall, 
Thomas Gibson showed up for a while. Peter McNichol showed up for a while. Christine Lottie showed up for most of the show. Mark Harmon was on there. Eric Stoltz was on there. Carly Gugino was on there. Lauren Holly again. Hey, there she is. Hey, Lauren Holly. She's everywhere. The queen of television. The main thing I know about Chicago Hope is when Christine Lottie got won her Golden Globe when she was in the bathroom. Yep. (laughs) I remember that. That's pretty much. I don't know why it's burned into my memory. And and, and you're talking party of. Five, which is a show I didn't check out. I, I honestly meant to grab the promo because the first promo I remember seeing for Party of Five was like the critics say this and that. And then an announcer goes, but you're not watching it. And then a guy, a human being who's not on the show begs you to watch Party of Five huh. on Fox. Huh. Because Fox dealt with that a lot. Like we were a new network. Everyone's, all the critics we screen this for love this, but you are not watching Fox. And, and the shows have no chance. <laughs> But it's the yeah, Nev Campbell, Matthew Fox, blah blah blah. But but like uh, I couldn't think of any other comparison other than nine or two and zero, oh, and I, I felt the same way about mm-hmm. Boy Meets World sure. because mm-hmm. Boy Meets World I think is almost my exact age. But that also means I grew out of Boy Meets World because I wasn't watching TGIF sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And when Boy Meets World started, I was in middle school, and it saw Corey through middle school. <laughs> And Topanga through middle school. And Sean through middle school. And then saw them through high school. And then saw them through college. And by the time they were in high school, like, I, dude, I was, I was out there. I was out there slinging ecstasy, like selling, <laughs> selling fast passes to the abortion clinic. I don't have time to fucking watch TGIF sitcoms. Uh-huh. Uh, Boy Meets World. I, I didn't see it. And I watched it here. And I grabbed a clip just because of how fucking. I love this show from the second I saw it. I fell off because I was not at the age of someone who would continue watching this stuff. But I can only think of like 90210 or Party of Five, a show that lasted seven years that saw kids through this many periods in their life, this many distinct mm-hmm. periods of their life. When you're young enough to where every two years True. is a distinct period of your life. And, yeah. and, and it's crazy that Boy Meets World went seven seasons and over 150 episodes. And I, I really enjoy its cast. I, I like that they kept finding excuses for Mr. Feeney to show back up like they did in the finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Brave New World is a two-part episode that consists of a lot of clips I think uh, pretty much the main people moving to uh, New York. Topanga gets a internship at the law firm she wants. I think the girl that does porn joins the Peace Corps. <laughs> I forget her name. <laughs> but I got this clip of like, I don't like this kind of stuff, but this moved me watching <laughs> these characters I initially loved in middle school. talk. Can, they end up at the end of the episode in their sixth grade classroom with their teacher. And asking them if he has anything left to say before they all leave forever. And I th- <laughs> it moved me. I'm sorry if this doesn't work for you guys. We wanted to know if you had anything else left to teach us. No. My work with you is done. I don't know. It's pretty scary. Going into a whole new world. And you're ready to go into that world. Believe in yourselves. Dream. Try. Too good. Don't you mean do well? No, I mean do good. Well, <clears throat> I guess there's just one thing left then. Tell us you love us. Now look, if there's one thing I've taught you is that there is a line between teacher and student that must never be crossed. 
Come on, Feeney. You haven't even talked to another student for seven years. I mean, you might... it's a good. It's, it's a good. It's pretty good. I truncated it, but like, and then it ends with Doctor Feeney in an empty sixth grade classroom from the first season, saying how much he loves all of them. Yeah. Boy Meets World is one of those shows that I'm pretty sure I saw every episode of it and I cannot remember a single thing from that show. Like I remember the main characters, but I don't remember any like episodes really. It's weird. It just like passed in and out of my mind. I don't don't know if it was me growing or Topanga growing, but how she went from the nerdy, annoying character to the hottest girl in the universe. Mm -hmm. I think that happened through both of our pubescence. And see, I'm not kidding. For hers too. Like she, she grew into being like this incredibly attractive young woman. Uh, mm-hmm. But she started as the mm-hmm. annoying character that like the Steve Urkel that the character would never love, uh, right. and then ended up being a consistent person well, in the show. She was more of the Hermione, I would say. I, uh, I don't uh, know if she had any <laughs> redeeming fucking career even, qualities at the time, but even right down to the hair. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. But yeah, I, I was just, I was just too old for this show. I just. You know, I mean, it's never very interested. Uh, I know people absolutely love it. They hold it dear in their hearts, and that's fine. I'm just, it makes me really happy that people hold it dear into their hearts because it means, like, a couple generations now appreciate William Daniels, Mr. Uh, Feeney there, who is 93. Wow. And he is still Still going. He's he's fucking the dad in The Graduate. (laughs) Wow. He's the voice of Kit. He was John Adams in the movie version of 1776. Oh he's just, he was on St. Elsewhere. That guy has just been such a stalwart he, he for so long. And every woman in his family. All these little kids now are like, oh, I know that old character actor. Yay. But yeah, Boy Meets World was, I, I loved the show when I was watching it and then didn't watch mm-hmm. it for the majority of its run. And it clearly resonated with, I don't, other than, I looked it up, but other than like maybe Party of Five and Beverly Hills 902 and no, I don't know of many series that young people watched. Got to watch young people age with them for mm-hmm. over well, most like well, a Dawson's I mean, Creek. A lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of sitcoms that have like the young cute kid. Yeah. Like I was just thinking with Modern Family going off the air and yeah. like seeing the most recent season and being like, oh god, all those kids grew up. Yeah, yeah they, they were, were so little. Well, it, was, it was more that this, Gilmore this Girls is, definitely did that. But this is a um, this is a kid focused show, and and, oh, and, right. and that other than nine hundred two and most of those shows last like three to four seasons because their audience grows out of them and 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 people i who i think really gravitated to boy meets world weren't in middle school when they started watching it they just watched them they watched yeah, them as elementary school kids go that. into into away f- to college and graduate and like there's something beautiful about that that i don't i don't know that a lot of other shows had the luxury of this well, is a- i think the perfect i mean i think when you look at the who really loves boy meets world it's people that are exactly my age because, and I know many of them because (laughs) I do think that a lot of like shows about teenagers and young people Mm -hmm. hit the best with uh, viewers who are a few years younger Mm -hmm. than the characters Mm -hmm. they're watching. Exactly. And so that way, and it's, it's cool because older kids are cool and you kind of get to like Mm -hmm. see people going through a thing that you're probably about to go through and it informs so much those like lessons they learn and like experiences that they go through on the television screen kind of informs the way you think about what your experience is going to be and, and kind of, you know, brings about sort of change in a way. That's why you have to be very careful with children. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that 
it was the exact right show for people were, that were born like in the mid to late eighties, like me. Concur. And and, and on the the sixth, the next day, John Goodman hosts SNL with Neil Young. I, I try to find a good takeaway from this, and it, it's TV Funhouse is celebrating its anniversary for some reason. It's 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 only been like four and a half years, not five. I I don't know if it was an anniversary show or Robert Smigel sort of saying like. I have my own show on Comedy Central. No, I don't know if I can do this on SNL every week. So it, it, this this semi not scathing takedown. It, it's it's Lorne Michaels talking about how to create a catchphrase and hmm. and on an assembly line that brings out Rob Snyder and Joe Piscopo and Molly Shannon and they are all assassinated. It's very weird. And uh, then it it does show a future of John Lovitz. Yeah, that's the ticket being broadcast into space in 2020, celebrated by aliens. And then when John Lovitz is 70, kidnapped by aliens who love him, who received the signal. <laughs> I'm sorry, like it, it's a good it's a good animated portion of TV Funhouse. But the real abomination, oh, that's Sunday, baby. Uh, the oh. wonderful world of Disney's. This is. Whew, it is a nightmare factory, basically. <laughs> it is so. Wild. I hate Disney live action adaptations. I know you do. I knew you would this would get under your skin. Well, I think at the very least, like Pinocchio has songs in it, but like they're yeah. like ten thousand times the songs and they're all new to this movie. And, and it doesn't even like seemingly star Geppetto, just Drew Carey's a bigger star than the kid who plays Pinocchio. Uh, as is Julia this Julia cast. Dreyfus uh, as the Blue Fairy, Brett's Brett Spiner Data as Data. fucking Stromboli. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on, there's very few Italian roles out there. I should have done it. Uh, Usher is the fucking Pleasure Island old guy that I love. Uh, but this 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 is and a... Renee Arbuzois. Oh yes, 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 yes. It has it has I think four Two Star Trek. Star, people. It has four yeah. Star Trek cast members in the cast, but Geppetto. A new live action Wayne Brady is a magician, but a new a new <laughs> Pinocchio live action adaptation for Disney Television, and it sucks. Pinocchio. In May of 2000, the wonderful world of Disney proudly presents the first musical event of the millennium. Geppetto's is now. <laughs> this does not look inexpensive. Uh. This looks, it looks a lot of set. Incredibly yes. elaborate. And what was it that they said in the promo? The first musical event of the millennium? Yeah. I think yeah. The, the advertisement came out like a year ago. Right. And right. it was like, look forward to this stuff. Because this, I, I don't know how long Disney had owned ABC, but like they hadn't really done anything this ambitious yet. And uh, this is this is a full-on Disney event on television. Mm-hmm. And, and, but... Pinocchio is one of my favorite movies and everything about this seems excruciating. Every single second (laughs) I watched of it, it's awful. And I hate it so much. Pinocchio is the star of Pinocchio. He meets weirdos throughout his journey. Please don't have them in more of the movie. Geppetto is in like 10% of Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I, I don't know why this movie is called Geppetto. And I know it would become a punchline on whose line is it anyway because Wayne Brady and Drew Carey. Oh, that's funny. And uh, video games of 2000. Again, we will talk more about the video games this week at patreon.com slash laser time. And I think the next edition, we'll talk more about this. Four Wheel Thunder, another back of the day when 3D came out. We might as well have a bunch of mud and tire stuff. But it also has Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Ghost Babble for Game Boy Color. And it is a Metal Gear D-Res, D-Grade. 
in terms of the Metal Gear franchise that is popular on 3D platforms, it redoes itself in the in the model of the original Metal Gear, and it is fucking excellent. It is really good, <laughs> but it is a it is a complete degrade in terms of a game, and it's a it's a valiant effort. So I don't want to say I didn't love it. And we will head out of 2000 before we head into 2010 with a little bit of Ween, even if you don't, uh, by Ween off of their new album that is out this week. Stay right there, everyone, because 2010 has a lot of fun stuff to talk about. ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of may 1st through may 7th well, let's uh let's talk about some uh, historical things going on right now 50 years ago this week uh, you've probably seen on the news it is the anniversary of the kent state shooting where uh the national guard opened fire on a whole bunch of anti-vietnam war protesters saying oh they were they were threatening us from 300 feet away oh no those damn hippies a whole football field away they're gonna get us we better open fire with m1s uh, and four people died and uh another weird thing uh that happened 75 years ago this week i just thought i'd throw this out here uh may 5th 1945 is the only u.s casualties on the mainland during world war ii uh because a japanese made balloon firebomb fell on a church picnic in Oregon and it killed six people. Um, I did not know that, yes, Oregon, there was technically a battle of World War II there, almost, in a way. Anyway, let's talk about the actual recommends for this week, which uh, how do I even choose? Because 40 years ago, this week, 1980, Alfred Hitchcock passed away. He was also 80. And, oh, where to even start? I mean, one of the most important directors ever. So, in in the spirit of social distancing, I'm going to point out he's got three and a half, let's say, movies that are like social distancing movies because they take place pretty much in one place. Let's start with Rope from 1948, which is a bit stagey because it was a play, but it's also done in continuous takes. It's meant to look like it is just one long continuous take. It's actually like eight of them because the camera could only hold about 10 minutes worth of film at the time. Yeah, I mean, a precursor to Birdman, or we just talked about time code like last week. This was an experiment of, can you make a movie that looks like it's all one shot? Yeah, yeah, I can. And that's pretty good. We also dial him from Murder from 54, which is, again, pretty stagey, but was originally in 3D and has some cool 3D parts. And the two that I'm more, I feel like recommending a little bit more that I like more, honestly, is Lifeboat from 44, which I think has already been in Classic Corner. It's, it's a movie that takes place entirely just in one location. That location is a lifeboat. Lots of interesting characters, lots of shifting allegiances and stuff like that, and really good performances all around. And the most obvious one, because I think it's my favorite Hitchcock movie of all time, is Rear Window from 1954. 
I just rewatched it and then I went back and watched it with commentary and they pointed out stuff even though I've seen it like 20 times they pointed out a bunch of stuff I'd, I'd never noticed before so rear window I mean it all takes place just in one location Jimmy Stewart broke his leg he's watching the neighbors and you get to learn about their lives and peeping on them and each one is sort of like its own little movie going on in that little apartment over there and then he starts to think that there was a murder and he's so obsessed with this murder that he totally ignores the fact that his girlfriend is Grace Kelly. Anyway, if you haven't watched Rue Window before, please, please do. Not just for the whole social distancing feeling, but because, yeah, Rear Window or Vertigo, those are Hitchcock's two best, honestly. And I think I like Rear Window more. So that's my recommend for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with new por- pornographers, your hands together. Ugh, I thought we were your new pornographers, but no. It's 2010, and there's a band out. It's the same, same fucking song. New pornographers, B.O.B. Uh, uh, and Bruno Mars, the number one with nothing on you. Welcome to 2010, May 1st to the 7th. We have some new music releases to talk about. Uh, Forgiveness Rock Record by Broken Social Scene. Two of the Dixie Chicks uh, have a side project out. Uh, Courtyard Hounds. Why are they still together if they have two people? Aren't there three of them now, and two of them are like, we're going to do our own thing? I think, yeah. isn't one of them yeah. like the the real liberal, and the other one is just like, uh, I have breakfast at Cracker Barrel. I don't I don't care how bad George W. Bush is. I don't want to... <laughs> anyway. No, I think they're all pretty on board. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they probably all have gay assistants. It's hard to be a Republican when you have them. gay assistants. Uh, Diamond Eyes by the Deftones is out this week, as is the Oracle by Godsmack. What? Happy Goth Kids. Heaven is Whenever by the Hold Steady. <laughs> Omni by Minus the Bear. There you go. Emo Kids. Miracle by Nonpoint. Uh, and then Pulse by Tony Braxton. The self-titled <laughs> album by Tonic, who I wish were dead. Uh, wow. Oops, I hate I hate Tonic. <laughs> if you could only no! see No! Don't do it! it don't do it! <laughs> I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. Ugh. I've never seen a sadder song that girls in a bad bar will dance to. <laughs> uh <laughs> Well, the freshman. I've seen that. Hi, yeah. What? Hi, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to 2010, everyone. May 1st to the 7th. Uh, there are a lot of movies to talk about because it Ooh. is a different era. We're, we're almost yeah. in what you would call the streaming era, so there's a lot more movies to talk about. There's a ton, and I kind of want to just blow through a whole bunch of them so we can get to the big boys. Yeah, documentaries, the, the Lottery and Casino Jack and the United States of Money. Both really good documentaries. Lottery is about uh, schools. Casino Jack is about lobbyist slash con man Jack Abramoff. Mm. Really good. Mm. Uh, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Not the TV show, but the movie is a biopic of Adam... I always get his name wrong. Drury. Ian Drury. I always want to say Drury. Ian Mm. Drury starring Andy Serkis, who... I'm sorry, I couldn't find it, but every review is like, oh my god, Andy Serkis is the best at everything ever. We forgot that... And he like... He never gets to do a lead yeah. where he's not mo-capped. He gets to do stunt stuff, and you forget Andy Serkis is a fucking wonderful actor, one of the greatest actors we have. Yeah. Uh, and he's pioneering a new form of acting. That's his, that's his cachet, but he's awesome. Uh, the Infidel <laughs> is out this week. With a... The Infidel, I tried to track this down because it sounds really, really silly. It's mm-hmm. a British movie about a religious Muslim who finds out he is ethnically Jewish and was adopted. Oof. 
And then he <laughs> he teams up with his neighbor, played by Adam Schiff, or not Adam Schiff, Richard Schiff from The West Wing, uh, mm-hmm. to like learn more about Judaism, but still hiding it with from his family. Wow. It oh, wow. sounds very very silly. Yes. And then uh, mother and child with my God, this cast: uh, Annette Bening, oh. Naomi Watts, Kerry Washington, Samuel L. Jackson. Another movie barely got released. Mm-hmm. Very good reviews. Um, also about adoption, about, you know, putting Anna Bedding put her daughter up for adoption, who I think is Naomi Watts. And then Naomi Watts is like, or Carrie Washington's trying to have a kid and she's trying to adopt. And there's, you know, fam- family stuff and everyone's very good in it. Mm-hmm. And then the Trotsky starring uh, Bay- Bay- Jay Baruchel and Colm Fiore. Um, <laughs> Jay Baruchel, who's still playing teenagers, <laughs> uh, becomes, he decides that he's, he thinks that he's like the reincarnation of Trotsky and, um, becomes this like communist force in wow. like his high school and then at the at a job dude i i remember the trailer for this i'm, I'm I upset that looked really interesting if you like letter kenny he plays a character called hard right dave and like <laughs> his his lack of sincerity when talking about hard right values and in the most canadian way possible is so fucking funny i now want to see this so bad <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, the one I did see because it is free on Canopy. Uh, OSS 117 Lost what? in Rio. Also known as uh, OSS uh, 117 Rio Ne Répond Plus. This does not sound like a Venture Brothers movie. It it, it, it totally is though. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that I, you would really like the OSS 117 movies, Chris. Mm. Because they are French like spy, 60s spy parodies. Ooh. Um, starring Jean Dujardin and directed by Michael Hazard. I can never say his name. The guys who did The Artist. Huh. Um, but they are like French Naked Gun 60s movies. <laughs> okay, that I'm in. That sounds amazing. I'm in. And they are really, really funny. And this one is all about him going to Rio, uh, being a racist pig everywhere he goes, and teaming up with some Israeli agents to like stop this like Nazi gang. And mm-hmm. he says a lot of really dumb careless offensive things and laughs about it (laughs) it was there were a couple times i laughed out loud so loud that like my husband had to come out and find out what i was laughing at Hmm. like a couple serious belly laughs like he's trapped he's stuck in a hospital after he's been shot and he's like oh i need to go stop the evil crime gang and they're like well we don't have any clothes for you except some stuff the gardener left behind and cut to now he's wearing like a perfectly tailored tux (laughs) yeah Mm. Ah, they're fun. And, okay, and so the, enter the void. Through those. With... Now we're talking about the artsy fartsy one. Enter the void. Mm-hmm. Well, this causes opinions mm-hmm. because you know we talk about David Lynch movies or like they have dream logic. Mm-hmm. Enter the void has serious drug logic going on. Right. It's trying to represent kind of what a trip feels like, mm. and oftentimes it does. But oftentimes it's like, is this movie still going? Yeah. Mm. Howard uh, the Duck just told me all my friends hate me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's about, about, quote, these folks like going out and partying in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But one of them gets shot and spends the rest of the movie sort of floating along as a spirit. And sometimes it's in first person. What? Huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. Oh, my God. I'm going to hear a bit of this trailer. Mm. Tibetan Book of the Dead? I'm assuming it's about death. It tells you how your spirit comes out from your body after you die. At first you can see all your life reflected in a magic mirror. And then you see these lights, all these different lights of all different colors. 
Alex is gonna make you a junkie. I know I'm not a junkie. Come on. It's not your friend. We're gonna be like family from now on. Just you and me. I, I know exactly where they are. They went to the robot cafe. <laughs> uh, this seems awful. <laughs> yeah. It's I only only because like, like like are you supposed to watch this on drugs? This would like really break you and ruin you if you were on drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's kind of the thing is like if if you're high, maybe you'll get something out of it that's different than what you wouldn't if you weren't high, or maybe you will break your brain and, and be ruined forever. If you watch it sober, you might get like that feeling, the druggy feeling, or you might hate it because hanging out with people who are high is yeah. often the most boring thing in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have it a good story. It sucks to be the only sober one. I don't have a good story yeah. yet, but acid has entered my life for the first time in 20 years. Oh. And I haven't taken it. I haven't done it. But it's, a, it's something like I got my fill of and never wanted to do again. And I see this and like, yeah, this seems emblematic of why I didn't want to. I never want to do this again. I'm an adult. I don't need to have my <laughs> horizons expanded because I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared as but, hell. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's directed by Gaspar Noé, who's one of those directors that's basically like going. At, he he's trying to make the audience Ooh. uncomfortable. Yeah, that's <sighs> part of his thing. And I, I mean, I'd rather watch this again than watching uh, like Irreversible, Irreversible because that has some of the most brutal violence ever and refuses to look away it's like no you have to watch all of this you must confront this god damn it it's it's Um, notable for its rape scene but like watch a guy's face caved in with a fire extinguisher it's it it's equally disturbing (laughs) yeah so i mean of them enter the void like hey you want to you want to take the evening and and trip out cool i mean it's well made it's not just like navel gazing student film like this is like what it's like when you're west <laughs> you know it's visually pretty amazing but hmm. not not for everyone so enter the void is not quite a recommend for and, me and, and, and in hindsight interesting film but not a great film yeah <sighs> number one at the box office scarlett johansson sam rockwell gwyneth paltrow mickey rourke john don Cheadle, and robert Downey jr in iron man 2 is out this week our priority is to get the Iron Man weapon turned over to the United States of America. I am Iron Man. The suit and I are one. They will be blood in the water. I hope you have any. Go get him, boss. Bam! You complete me. I want one. No. I, I really need to give this movie another go because this is the mm. most maligned movie in the MCU. Uh, really? Man 2. Yeah, yeah, for this sure. This and Thor 2. Uh, yeah, those are the ones. And Incredible Hulk, which uh, yeah. we already talked about. And yeah. I, will, I will defend. I actually like most of Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And I gave, I gave this a rewatch. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty to like in here. Yeah, I, oh, I watched yeah. it. I watched Overall, it, it's a... Eh, I watch but, it the least, but like it is also... It's Marvel finding its, its legs. It's why they... Every every Marvel movie, uh, I think only until Civil War do they start doing this well, that they're driving forward the universe. And Civil War does mm-hmm. that very well. Inter- introduces Black Panther, a status quo change that will lead into the next film. And like, I don't think people really knew how to accept this. Like, why is Scarlett Johansson here? Is she the villain or is she not? She's not in here enough to have any kind of arc. 
really. Hmm. Uh, and, 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 and Mickey Rourke is here. That, that, the cliche of like the uh, uh, old actor getting another shot at stardom in a Marvel, in like a superhero movie, I think starts here. Because most of the time they cast unknowns as villains and major stars as superheroes. But Mickey Rourke is fresh off The Wrestler. And, right, yeah. and he's cast here as Whiplash. And I think I think he's really fucking cool. And Sam Rockwell's in it. And he's really fucking cool. He's I great. love Sam Rockwell in this. But there, like, there is something. I think that's kind of part of my problem is they're not given much right. screen time or much to do. You I, start I, to forget that they're in the movie. I think it sticks out like a sore thumb because Marvel doesn't know how to do that yet. Mm. And I think we'll discuss why in the very next segment. Uh, it doesn't know how to juggle these ensemble characters and drive, like have a satisfying singular movie while still driving forward a universe. Cause they are vi- like the engine is full steam ahead at this mm-hmm. point. And this is, Kind of one of the most awkward ones, uh, yeah. Iron Man it's, 2. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't, overall story-wise, doesn't push much forward, except in a way it introduces what will end up being the the theoretical conflict of Civil War, which I did find fun. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, because um, Senator Gary Shandling is right. He is right about everything that's very cute i don't care that he's working for hydra eventually (laughs) he is right the iron man suit is too dangerous to trust to one person with no oversight on him whatsoever but that ends up being what civil war ends up being about it's also great because at this point in this this at this point if you took the the suit away from stark he dies Mm-hmm. And <laughs> ah, yeah, and so they yeah. can't. And 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 th- th- yeah, that's, which that's, that's, that's a sort of that might be my complaint with the movie. I feel like that's one too many subplots. Maybe if they took that subplot out and had a little more time for the bad guys to develop, because mm-hmm. yeah, Sam Rockwell as being like a shitty Tony Stark, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That that's is, a great role for him. That is a great. That's a great role. That's perfect casting, and that that is com- anytime they're they're together dealing with each other. This movie is just shines. Yeah. So much fun. And then it like barely ever happens. Even though Guy Pierce is the much better shitty Tony Stark in the third film. But yeah, he's but, good but yeah, I think it's, it's Marvel struggling with what to do with these singular superhero movies, not knowing what it, I, I remember. I, I was at a comic con and I watched the premiere trailer with John Favreau introducing it when Robert Downey Jr. Wasn't showing up just yet. And uh, he's like, yeah, I want to make the next Avengers movie. He was not allowed. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but like, He's like, no, we're we're doing this, and I I really wanted to find the clip of our podcast because we've been podcasting for that long. Like, this will never happen. These these <laughs> fucking megalomaniacal assholes will never ever get an Avengers movie on th- off the ground, let alone four and the highest grossing <laughs> movie ever. But but like, I think this is is, is so maligned because it, it, it's only with. But it's a fun it's a fun watch if you don't think of this as a puzzle piece to a bigger thing. Yeah, uh, it's As not a about follow thing. up to Iron Man. Yeah, one, but then it's also confusing because it adds a lot of new characters, especially Scarlett Johansson, which is like she's too big a presence to like. Wait, who is she and what is she? Where is she from? What does she do and who will she be? And she's the villain for most of the movie. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. You're just not sure what she's a friend her of me. Deal is, and then you find out. Oh no! Well, you think maybe she's working for Sam Rockwell? Mm-hmm. Turns out, no, she's working for Samuel L. Jackson. So, I mean, yeah, as as a piece of the story moving towards Avengers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, was that part of the original plan or was just Iron Man did so well, the first one, 
that they thought we got to give people more Iron Man or else they won't come to see something like mm. Thor. I think they, they Thor gave, is such a goofy idea. I don't know if you can get people to show up. They gave an exponentially slow trickle because Thor is introduced, introduced in this movie. Like the yeah, movie Thor ends with his hammer. Like yeah. Thor doesn't exist. We don't know who Chris, like the whole world doesn't know who Chris Hemsworth is, but the movie ends with Thor's hammer. Uh, that's the crazy. Sh- is Hawkeye in that this movie? That is pretty crazy. Nope. Uh, no Hawkeye. Nobody else. I think Hawkeye is in this movie. But, no, but, he's in Thor. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he pops up in Thor. Right. Okay. Uh, but it gets a little confusing. But again, this is all this is all happening under different studios at this point. Mm. Marvel does not is not owned by Disney, so this is not as cohesive as uh, what we're used to. It will be a fascinating thing to talk about in a few years. But we have so much to move into, especially television, um, May first through the seventh. Cold case Sorry. finale this week, and I have no idea what that is. Um, it's it actually is a pretty interesting concept because I had to look it up. I just. It is a police procedural set in Philadelphia, and basically it's a cold case unit that is solving cases where the trail has gone cold and they've sat around for a while, and um, they use flashbacks, and sometimes it goes back to, like, 1910, someone who was murdered in 1910, and they... they use flashbacks to kind of show what really happened. And then it's like present day with someone trying to say, trying to solve the murder. I don't know. It sounds like a great concept. It's one of those, I think, CBS shows that just went on forever. It's seven seasons and sounds part like of a, the CSI universe. So. Sounds like a very expensive podcast. Oh, and I, I cannot believe one of my favorite shows in existence ended 10 years ago this week. Tim and Eric, awesome show. Great job. Tim and Eric's second of like five shows on on Adult Mm. Swim ends this week. And it's still one of my favorites. I think it still holds up really great. In in that, I have shown a friend a sketch from it this week. And like, I don't know, man, I don't get it. Like, this feels great. (laughs) It feels great to love something so much and someone you love. Like, I don't understand. Uh, Sorry. Celery Man is one of the greatest things that's ever existed. Uh, (laughs) Tim and Eric, it ends with a 30-minute episode as opposed to its normal 10-minute format. It has a Crimbus special that airs during Christmas, but this is also Christmas. The boys learn how to lactate and sell their milk. <laughs> and at the, the the end of the like, what the only thing you'd know to have it be its season finale is that every character you have sort of seen on Tim and Eric ends up drinking the milk at the end, <laughs> and we even lose Richard Dunn, a very 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 elderly cast member of Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Yo. Uh, but I love this program, and it holds up so well. I, I and Adult Swim shows it so much. I cannot believe it was over ten years ago. I cannot believe Tim and Eric have had bedtime stories and Beef House in between. I cannot stop. Has anybody seen Beef House, the Tim and Eric TGIF parody? It's wonderful. No, no. Sorry. Just that all its transition shots have old school <laughs> song jams. Like every time they show the opening, <laughs> an establishing shot of the house. Beef. Beef. <laughs> it, and I've been walking around my house saying that for like days. In <laughs> uh, a show I loved initially, but never really dug into. But I love Same. Idris Elba very, very much. Uh, his his Luther character, Luther debuts this week ten years ago, and I don't know that it's done. It's mm. still going. The last season aired in 2019, and I don't know if they're going for another season or not. I really like Ruth Wilson also. She mm-hmm. um, plays a very interesting and fun psycho character, basically murderer person. Murder um, person. <clears throat> huh? Murder person. I, I want to play a murder person. <laughs> <laughs> She's a murder person. Mm-hmm. My only 
so I watched Luther when we went, Sam and I went through a very big British murder show phase because they were all the rage for a while. Um, and Luther was one of the scariest ones to me. Like the murders I found on Luther to be particularly brutal. I don't know. And then, uh, there was I, I, what I find even weirder is Idris Elba not using an American accent. It freaks me out every yeah. time I see it. Yeah, he's so good Strange. at it. Mm-hmm. Get well soon, Idris Elba. We love you. Oh, that's right. He's got the Rona. Uh, and this this to me is, is this. Oh. Uh, We keep talking about stand back musketeers. I talked uh, previously in a week or so ago that one of my, I was watching community passively in between office and Mm -hmm. parks and rec and shit and 30 rock. And then I missed this episode and I don't remember something that aired on television that was talked about this much on the internet (laughs) ever since 10 years ago. But modern warfare airs uh, the, it's not the last episode, of the season, but it is the paintball, the first paintball Paint, episode. Paint, that's first right. Paintball, directed by Justin Lin of all Justin people. Justin Lin, who is directed. Really going for it. The terrible Fast and the Furious 4. And then one year later, will go into directing the billion dollar franchise that Fast and the Furious would become. Because yeah. of how good he was with uh, uh, Fast and the Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Uh, I love this dude. And I mm. just watched Harold and Kumar. And he's like, better luck tomorrow. And I'm like. I love Better Luck Tomorrow, which yeah. which has fucking uh, Harold in it, and and uh, but it's it's why the show works. If you wonder why the Russo brothers made a comedies like Arrested Development and Community and got Marvel movies, mm-hmm. even Kevin Feige was like, because they they know how to handle the arcs of multiple characters in the show, and maybe they don't know how to direct big action sequences yet. But like the, I think he stated in one of these episodes, like they juggle the wants and needs of eight people so well in in an action movie in a fake action movie what what is what is the story here that like priority registration you can get your first choice of yep. classes if mm-hmm. you win this paintball so, war and Joel McHale goes to sleep in his car wakes up and there's an apocalyptic setting over this one season this has been on for one season this traditional yes. sitcom and the whole thing everyone's changed roles and there's new allegiances and everyone has weird hair <laughs> I love it. And so I pulled the full Mad Max. (laughs) I pulled the clip where uh, he's just waking up and going back into the school and he runs into the character who I love so much. And I cannot remember his name. ever. (laughs) Nope, not Leonard. And this what Garrett. Yeah, I think it's Garrett. I love Garrett. Oh, my. What's going on? And it is just like so perfect. What is going on? The the paintball game was 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 starting and the. The, then the dean, the dean announced the, the prize, the prize. We we turned on each other like like animals. What was the prize? Was this is not over. This is still happening right now. Leonard, Leonard, I'm not playing. Everyone's playing. You suck. Come with me if you don't want paint on your clothes. <laughs> this it's so good. Uh, this man. episode, we got some Matrix there. We got some Terminator there. Ah, mm-hmm. some Die Hard, but a, a sitcom yeah. with 
confidence in a great director showing that like it could pretend to be an action movie and send up it has it has some of the most remember like Britta and Jeff fuck in this episode. Yes. And nobody knows it until like twenty episodes later. Yeah. And then it becomes an issue. It's amazing. I, and I don't and mind talking about this this much at all because I have a feeling a bunch of you are discovering this because it's on Netflix. And we yeah. told you 10 years ago this is one of the best shows on television. I will be, after we are done recording tonight, I will be getting in bed and resuming my rewatch of Community. I'm quite looking forward to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of the other reasons why this episode is executed so well is that all of the actors are – very good at what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Gillian Jacobs and and Britta in general, She's of course. Great. But Fuck that. <laughs> every I feel like everybody else is like they know exactly what is being asked of them, and they are doing it to a T. It's so good. Yeah, that's not a very eloquent way to say. No, no, no. I, 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 I've been inundated <laughs> you know with behind the scenes community stuff since it came back on Netflix, and like everyone is sort of like, why is this show taking so long to film? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's filmed like a fucking action movie sometimes, or sometimes it's filmed like a documentary, and and the guest stars are like, are, we're not done. Like, no, you have like two more days left. Are you kidding? Your guest spot does not last one hour. Uh, this will take a while. It, it, yeah. It's it's a very elaborately filmed show. Not in a way you know. It's it's I don't know. Like it's all you Rick and Morty fans. You need to watch Community. It is really 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 fun and and understands who. You slash we like as guest stars because this show is fucking great. And yep. uh, th- this is yeah, a really, good. really. Also, I've loved, I love how in that clip, uh, shout out to the guy who did the, the music for Community Straight mm-hmm. Through is uh, Ludwig Goranson, mm-hmm. who, did, well, he's taken over a whole bunch of stuff, but the Mandalorian theme, he did the music for the Mandalorian oh. show. And that theme is so fucking great. Yeah, most of the people involved with Community behind the scenes are going on to do everything that makes $1 billion that you love. It's very, very strange because no one gave a fuck about the show when it came out at eight o'clock on a Thursday on NBC. And hopefully now it'll get its due. I can predict this. I have to predict this somewhere. Never mind. I'm going to predict it on a laser time because community was a jumping off point for an an episode we're going to do very soon on laser time. Uh, Because community rules and is, it is above all else for fans of television. Absolutely. People who yeah. paid attention to a lot of television and this and movies, some, but yeah, but yeah, for but pop culture in general and like it mm-hmm. had done minor parodies, but it, it was everyone was sort of blown away. Like, how did this silly comedy show set in one room do an action episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's and it's hysterical. And and go every time I watch it, I'm like, I cannot believe how much work they did to the set. They destroyed the set. <laughs> the set is <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. Please watch. Yeah. I don't know because. Not 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 to get too far off base, but I'm showing my lady the show, and she's like, "No, nah, I dig it." And I keep showing, like, "No, I got to jump you ahead to my favorite episode." But you do kind of have to wade yourself in, like, to modern warfare. You can't just so, watch that right no. off the bat. No, absolutely not. And in fact, I would say if you are showing this to a friend, do not show this to them. I did it bad as the first one because this is dessert. You only get to see this one after you Ooh. go through the other ones. None of, of them are bad. None except exactly. for season. Wow. The show, the episode that I brought Sam into this, into community with, was the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Oh, my favorite line in one that. One of my all-time favorites. I take yeah. your, I take your, I had I take... on DVD and I was able to be like, this is the one, this is the one you watch. It's, and then it's, after it's that, it's framed he was, and scored and like an action everything. movie and Chevy Chase says, I take your great sword and I wipe my ass with it and I throw it in a river. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wiped your ass with a sword, did you? <laughs> 
That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much because we'll talk about it when it actually comes up in the show. <sighs> it is so good. Is there a better show for uh, tertiary characters? Oh, Fat, no. Fat mm. Neil, Magnitude, Garrett. The game's yep. still happening, Leonard. I, I fucking love Garrett, this show. Garrett is like what happens if God spills a person. <laughs> Garrett. That is, is best freaking line. I love Garrett so that's, much. Yep, that's from the election episode where he's accidentally <laughs> uh, running for pre- accidentally running for school president. He didn't want mm-hmm. to. He was just in line for the ice cream machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And that that oh, actor gets like I've met a Garrett before, and he mm-hmm. gets everything so perfect. Yep. Like yep. he just nails it. Ours it's name so was good. Sean. Uh, <laughs> what? Ours name was Sean. Our oh, Garrett. okay. Um, uh, and yeah. also Dean. I just love the Dean so much. Homie He's one of my Dean favorite is. characters on television ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. And uh, yeah, no, just re- rewatching Modern Warfare and I'd forgotten. It's like, just when you think like, okay, sure, they're doing Die Hard. Okay, Terminator 2. Yeah. Oh, oh Scarface is showing up. Okay, Warriors. Yeah, whatever. They bust out Hard Boiled and... Yeah. It makes me so happy that they use like their one Asian character gets into the game, so it goes John Woo on you. He's Chow Yun Fat. The whole time. He so comes good. out doing Chow Yun Fat shit mm-hmm. with yeah, oh. two guns and and diving sideways, and it's just yeah, there's something about it that just works so well that way. Yeah, and like I don't the, know. the it's world because he's Asian, it's just like somehow that makes sense. But the world didn't know Justin Lin's name yet. He wasn't the director of two of the highest grossing movies of all time. He had. He had he had salvaged Fast and the Furious with the third one, brought the cast back in the fourth one, and the fifth one is one year later, and that's when it becomes the mega series that makes a billion dollars every year. And and this is what he did in the meantime, a sitcom, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking yeah. great. Community people, please do not skip on out on it. There, you have you know what? You have plenty of time. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you have plenty of time. Go watch community. Video games. We will talk more about this this week uh, about the April anniversaries with our uh, with Video Game Apocalypse guys, Mister Diana Goodman, Michael Rapares, and Maddie Allen. What did I say? Over thirty years in the games industry <laughs> collectively, <laughs> you'll hear some real behind the scenes stuff. Uh, but this week, in, in terms of video games, what did I do to deserve this? My Lord, too comes out on PSP. Iron is that title. It's great, what? right? What is this game about? I don't know. Yes. If you if you look it up, it's going to look a lot less interesting than the title is. Is Bible this stories? game about what I'm going through right no, this second in time? Because no. this is kind of what it feels like. <laughs> you could say that about every put-upon game character. Uh, but I, I thought the, the funniest thing I want to talk about was Iron Man 2. Because this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe went on for 20 movies and into the highest grossing movie of all time. And this is the last Iron Man video game we've ever had. That's cool. not on mobile. Iron Man 2. There's a couple more Sega games, and they are what you used to think of video games licensed off movies. This is not as good as the film. The voice cast is not here. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not a retread of the film. It is a new it's a new story written by Matt Fraction, one of my favorite comic writers. It's just <laughs> not a great game. And Sega had the Marvel license at this point. And Marvel opted to, to spend the next eight years gameless with the biggest franchise in the universe. And I can't imagine what kind of balls that bitch to Disney. Wow. Uh, But the last Iron Man game is here with uh, Iron Man two, the last MCU Iron Man game, lead and gold gangs of the wild west for PS three and Dementium two. One of the few M rated games on the Nintendo DS and as well as Biozone for PCs. And that is about it for us. Uh, I got to say, 
We got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time, especially executive producers like Daniel Evans, because he's a wonderful, wonderful man. Please listen to Laser Time as much as you can. And hey, maybe tell a friend about the show. We do topic-based stuff. We recently did something with uh, Matt and Dave uh, about... It was something Dave used to do. We did commentaries on movies. Every time we were watching a movie over 15 years old and a dog came up, Dave would yell, that dog is dead. And <laughs> and about how the death of animals is used to manipulate us. It's not a trauma show. We did not at any time mention Milo and Otis or how they oh, broke a cat's foot so it limped funny. Uh, uh, yeah. Why did you mention it now? Because I don't care. People can jump out now. It's fine. You uh, ruined my you, They'd miss the quizzes on who died and who lived, but like, yeah. Wish I was dead. Yeah, we never mentioned stuff like that, mm. but how a generation of boomers were ruined by Old Yeller and that ended up defining... Sarah, you'd like that. It was a TV Tropes defined it as a Death by Newberry Award, <laughs> where like every single book ends with like the death of a friend, kid, dog, teacher. Every single one of them does. Uh, I feel <laughs> like Bridge to Terabithia was the first time a book made me yeah. cry when I read it in like mm-hmm. third grade. That or where the red fern grows. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yep. And as as my Aaron, he has my favorite MySpace profile. Just under books, he just wrote Hatchet Baby. Hatchet. <laughs> Hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> Newberry Award winner Hatchet. Uh, but yeah, check us out there for more stuff. Uh, Laser Time. We also have the Vigi Apocalypse show. Uh, bonus time every single week. Sarah was on last week talking about uh, the world of COVID as Chris Parker, our buddy who has COVID, is doing okay uh, with it. We, you can hear more stuff about what our world looks like. Uh, we usually talk about entertainment with that being kind of sidelined during all this. It's just very weird, but we also have sick of star Wars, a show with, uh, my buddy Adam from, uh, Paducan, the laser time podcast about arcade games, specifically arcade games. And Jeremy from Tweakalicious TV, who streams, uh, I, I, I meant to text him about gladiator cause he loves historical stuff. And I, I love watching historical people get mad at Gladiator. <laughs> I told you, the Romans break formation. That's how they took over the world, was to keep your shields locked. You don't just run out in melee. Mm, I'm with you. Ugh. I'm with you. Okay. And, uh, and 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 uh, also, we'll have a 30-2010 games edition, at least 60 to 90 minutes of all the games that had anniversaries in April. And it's been really, really fun to do that show with uh, Matt and Michael from Video Game Apocalypse because they know their business. And together, we've been working on with or making games for about 40 years. It's very weird. So so be sure to tune in that patreon.com slash laser time. Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenanerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And if you noticed... This week, we had a big release, 2010. We had a big release, 2000, and nothing in 1990 mm-hmm. because summer movies didn't start in May in 1990. Right. But by 2000, they did. So it's going to start getting big. I blame Will Smith. So big. When he had a movie every year, everyone had to back off of <laughs> like July <laughs> and start releasing the movies yep. in May, like Spider-Man. Yep, this is true. We mm. got some biggins. Anyway, you want to talk about who died? I do, Dean. Sure. All right. Well, in 2010, we lost Lynn Redgrave, who was only 67. Fuck you, breast cancer. Uh, she was kind of a hey, it's that guy, honestly. She just popped yeah. up all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then in 2000, we lost Douglas Fairbanks Jr., who was 90. And we lost Steve Hercules Reeves, who was 74. Oh, oh the loss of a beefcake. Yeah. One of, so many of those Mystery Science Theaters I've seen. Love them. It's one of those people I wouldn't know without Mystery Science Theater. The king of sandals yep. and loincloth, uh, yep. Steve Reeves. 
Thank you for the Buffalo if you shot. Listen to this, if you listen to this before Sunday, they're going to do uh, live Mystery Science Theater Riffathon. Yeah. On YouTube and stuff. Yeah. yeah with, uh, with, with the touring Sunday group. six. Yeah, the touring group. Which, who are amazing, by the way. And if they do half the amazing puppetry they do, they've done at live show, you'll have your minds blown. I'm plugging this way more than my stuff, so please believe me. <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000 is the only thing good in this world. Now that death's out of the way, birthday quiz? Birthday! birthday. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, Oh, we have a good one this week. Turning 80 years old. 80. 80. Born May 5th, 1940. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Uh, he was born in New York, which I find odd because I was expecting an accent, but he doesn't really have a New York accent. He dropped out of school in the first grade and joined the Navy at 15. Mm. Yeah. So 1955, when he was 15, joined the Navy, got out when he was 18 at the rank of Petty Officer Third Class. So made it to NCO. Good for him. So petty. He didn't start acting until he was 30 and was functionally illiterate because he dropped out of school when he was like seven. Uh, He had to learn to read just so he could read scripts. Wow. Yeah. The only one I remember hearing that about is Adam Carolla. He's 80. (laughs) Yeah, and he is 80. Some of the movies of his we have talked about, I had to skip a lot of direct-to-video. Because we didn't talk about it. But Mm. When a Stranger Calls, Appaloosa, Johnny Handsome. Um, How about Disney's Tarzan and the Slammin' Salmon? Fuck me. Brian Cox? Nope. He's not from New York. Uh, How about a movie I have repeatedly told everyone to watch, Near Dark, and also Pumpkinhead? Shh. (laughs) Said no one ever. Uh, How about (laughs) No Guesses Still? No. No. I can't even. How about Scream 3 and Aliens? Lance Hendrickson? It is Lance Hendrickson. Oh. His autobiography is called Not Bad for a Human, by the way. <laughs> he is 80. 80? Wow. 80. Oh my God. And I, was, I couldn't remember. Did, did his Millennium show tie into X-Files the entire way or just those few episodes? Anyway, that's a story oh. for a different show. Uh, yeah, Lance Hendrickson. Carter. A hell of a background. Yeah, man. Let's... I had no idea. I just figured he was like the toughest guy in Omaha, and then he just... Started acting for chicks or something. Didn't find it. No, he was in the Navy when he was 15. What the fuck? Easy to now be... I'm Googling Lance Hendrickson. It's easy to be tough when you bleed oh, you'll, milk. You'll recognize him. Oh, yeah, 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 Okay, so I was having a really hard time picking outro music, and I hit something about Iron Man 2, Chris, that you are going to love so much. Yes, I know. (laughs) Okay, so in Iron Man 2, there is a Stark Expo, Mm -hmm. and it's at Flushing Meadows in New York, where they had the World's Fair 1964. And there's a song called Make Way for Tomorrow Today, (laughs) but it's written by the surviving Sherman brother of the Sherman brothers who wrote... Like Mary Poppins and all the uh, Jungle on. Book and yeah. 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is it is patterned after the music that they wrote for Carousel of Progress at the actual 1964 World's Fair. That's crazy. That's awesome. I love yeah, that. I had no idea that there was still a Sherman brother around. And he was still working and getting credits in 2010. It's why uh, so, I believe. That's great. In uh, in the next five years, John Favreau will be the John Lasseter of the new Disney company because he gives a fuck hmm. about that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, John Favreau, we didn't say directed Iron Man two, the last movie he made 
uh, directed with uh, oh. with the, Mar- the MCU. And I saw him on stage saying, my goal is to direct the Avengers. And they didn't let him. And he uh, said, cool. And he executive produced and still starred throughout the entire thing. He's done the coolest Star Wars thing in the universe. I just yep. saw him in Seinfeld as a clown. Uh, George <laughs> pushes out of the way during yeah. a, a bad fire. That guy has his, his fingers in everything pop culture. He will be mm-hmm. he will be the next head of that studio. IMO. Uh, hmm. John Favreau. I choose the new one as opposed to the hmm. old one. Which hmm. is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow from Carousel Progress, the 1964 World's Fair. We wouldn't I, have a Disney well, World without the World's Fair. Well, do you, that's true. We wouldn't have uh, It's a Small World mm-hmm. or Small World After All, which Sherman Brothers also wrote. Uh, yeah. Do you want to play some of There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, this 1964 song, yes. so we can compare there's it to the one we're going out with? Conservatives, Democrats. Remember this? Remember when you weren't mad every day and you were looking forward to this day? General Electric will bring it to you. I love Carousel Progress so much. I have a little plaque that says it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow uh, that I keep on my desk. Aww. Yeah. I love it so much. Optimism. You know, I... Looking in the wiki, I was a little bit disappointed because I found out, oh, right, the Stark Expo comes up in Captain America First Avenger, but they do not come back with the song. Well, because there's two people who play uh, Howard Stark. Yep. Throughout there are. throughout time, yeah. Uh, I forget the other guy's name, but the other one is <laughs> Sterling from uh, What's-His-Nuts mm-hmm. from Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, that's the and I'm version. blanking on the other guy's name, too. He was on Preacher. Mm-hmm. And he's a Brit. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, he's in Agent uh, okay. Carter and so, a bunch of the old stuff. He spent more time yeah. playing the character than than Roger Sterling. All right. So do you want to hear the, the Iron Man one then? Should we go yes. out with Make Way for Tomorrow Today? It's, yeah. it's an yes. import, important thing to remember. It gets me very nostalgic and brings me back to a time where humanity cared about progress. And <sighs> that was nice. That was nice. Yep. Rather than undoing the damage of the dread pirate Obama and punishing all of our enemies and yelling at the press. Ooh, I saved it for the very end. I saved, I saved it for the very end. Patreon.com slash laser time. I thought we were wrapping up and then you got into that and I visibly wilted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had to scold like four people today. Hey, if you're talking more about Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci with scorn and anger, then you have you have the wrong media diet. You're eating a shit sandwich. Sorry, sorry. I have nowhere else to vent about this other than 19 other podcasts I could ruin. It's going to be okay. That's the point. It's going to be okay. Also, when the revolution comes, he will not be spared. Yes. That's true. <laughs> you, well, you will go to the back of the line. Back of the line. Depends. Um, Depends. I don't know. I was at the store earlier, and there was a total super Karen, and she had a mask on, but it was just around her neck. She didn't have it on her face, and then she was talking, like, getting close to people, and I was like, okay, Wu-Tang told you to protect your neck, but that's not what they meant, and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to start things with a Karen this twice my size. I thought I thought I just found it. All weird. right, just got my trauma out of the way. I think uh, you get bumped to the front of the line if your children forgive you. If you can get that to happen, sorry. Anyway, we've been thirty twenty ten. We do love you, and we rarely ever talk about politics except all the time. Thank you so much for listening. Consider Laser Time or Video Game Apocalypse or Patreon.com slash Laser Time to get even more podcasts every single month, including the sick of Star Wars. Brand new show. We have over six hours of Star Wars related content. For you and, and more video game content, more movie commentaries. You shouldn't be bored during this whole shelter in place nonsense. Love you guys. We're going to close out with the Sherman Brothers talking about Make Way for Tomorrow Today. More than